0: Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. And welcome back to another episode of the show, the offseason recaps. We're going through the entire NFL. And today, unfortunately, you have co host Dale on the podcast, but I'm going to be breaking down LA Rams' full 2023 offseason for you guys here today. And, uh, you know, it's just a weird week with schedules for both me and him. So, you know, we're going back on here. But for now, it's just going to be me here. And if this is your first episode, thank you for checking out the podcast. The way this is going to go down, I'm going to be talking about a lot of the big name free agents that you guys lost this last offseason uh, or the team lost. Some of the guys that they added, the draft recap and all that. And then talking about all the skilled players for Dynasty and fantasy football in general. You know, there's not necessarily a purely Dynasty lens that we're looking at this. You can kind of apply some of this to Redraft as well, which is why I kind of like these these episodes as well. So, that said, you can find me over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin. You can find the YouTube channel, Dynasty After Dark. You can find us on Facebook. We're trying to put more content out out over there. And we're pretty much everywhere. Is it X, Twitter? I don't really know. but Um, yeah you can find all of our content out there and if you can while you're listening just please leave a like comment subscription on the channel we're trying to put out a ton of content this series has been grueling man it's been a grind but we like doing it. it it helps us hopefully it's helping you guys as well because we get to look at all 32 teams and really look at all the changes that they did as a whole and kind of analyzing the team as a whole because I feel like a lot of people they just go ah teams good teams bad teams good teams bad but you you forget some of the things that happened in the off season that's kind of the whole point of this this series that we're doing right now. So that said, it let's jump into the L.A. Rams and you know it seems like the biggest off season storyline for the team is they are really starting to pay the toll of the Super Bowl win from a couple of years ago. You know. Um the whole F them picks motto that they had, which was hilarious for a while there, trading all their top end picks just for players. It worked out. It got them a Super Bowl, but they have not had any depth at the draft, you know, any premium players in the draft. A lot of those guys that they that they traded for were veterans, so they were expensive, you know. Um, they cost a lot of money, so they're starting to shed some of those contracts to get in line with the salary cap and you know, this is kind of a, a mediocre to forgettable off season for the team, just in general. And I guess that's where I wanted to kind of start at the top. You know, you look at some of the guys that they they lost, and going position by position, it, there really wasn't any names that they added or that they re signed that are detrimental or keys to the this team kind of functioning, which is not good because a lot of guys that they lost. Some of those bigger names, and you know, I don't know the depth chart as intently as some of the Rams fans out there, so you guys can let me know down in the comments how important some of these players are. But if I know their names, I assume, especially as defensive players, that they're above average or pretty good players. So, you know, they lost guys like OBJ, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. at the wide receiver core. Now, again, he's kind of older, so maybe it's not a massive loss there. But they lost Taylor Rapp. They've lost um, Baker Mayfield, who came in at the end of last year. Leonard Floyd, Matt Gay, their kicker. Um, Bobby Wagner. That's a pretty big loss, in my opinion. I know he's older, but he's still a good, intelligent player. Uh, David Long is another guy that they lost. So just some big names, um, even Troy Hill, a cornerback that's played, I think, the nickel back for them for a while now. Uh, Malcolm Brown, one of their depth pieces of running back. So, you know, they lost some of the starters, and when you were paying those elite guys so much money at the top of the roster, right, it's hard to find a home for some of these other guys. I mean, you've got Aaron Donald out here who's – very, very good, but he's taken up 26 million in the cap this year. You got Matt Stafford right behind him for 20 million, Cooper Cup for 17 million, and it just kind of falls off pretty heavily behind that. So we're gonna see how they kind of attacked it with some of the guys that they added, and then how they attempted to go into the actual draft. So um some of the guys that they did add, they, they did bring in Demarcus Robinson. I think he's a very solid depth piece for this offense I think that he doesn't get a lot of credit you know he's he's not an exciting player especially for dynasty but or fantasy football in general but I do think that there's going to be a couple weeks this year he's a name to watch I think there's going to be a few weeks where he provides for fantasy um a couple you know they brought in Brett Ripien to be the backup behind Stafford um they brought in uh Marquise Colston or Copeland sorry and Coleman Shelton on um Couple of trench players there, but that is pretty much it. Like I said, it was a very forgettable offseason for the for the free agents. They're trying to get a little bit better in the actual draft, and you know the whole funny thing to me is the f them picks, you know, screw them picks mindset that they had. They had an absolute ton of draft picks in this last draft. You know, just counting through here. They had about 14 picks. They didn't have a first, but from second on, they have 14 picks. Now, I doubt most of these players are probably going to make the team, but you know, when you have 14 lottery tickets you're taking in a draft, it always feels a little bit better because you have a better chance of finding the next guy. So you know, in the second round, they took Steve Avila at 36 overall, so it was a pretty premium pick, guard out of TCU trying to build up that offensive line. Their O-line has been very mediocre the last couple of seasons, and it's only gotten worse um, since the the Hall of Famer uh, Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth. Um, he retired just a couple of years ago. This last offseason was the first season without him, and you really saw the detrimental impact that he had on that offensive line, right? Losing him had on that offensive line. Um, In round three, they took Byron Young, defensive end out of Tennessee. Kobe Turner, defensive tackle out of Wake Forest. In round four, Stetson Bennett, who I actually think is probably going to be more likely to be the backup to Matt Stafford, quarterback out of Georgia, um, than, you know, Brett Ripien. I don't think he's too much of a a threat there. Uh, In round five, they take Warren McClendon, offensive tackle out of Georgia. They take uh, tight end Davis Allen out of Clemson. Puka Nakua, wide receiver out of BYU. This is a player that a lot of people are hyping up as a potential sleeper in Dynasty Leagues right now. I think he's currently like a fifth round if drafted at all. So you like to see that. There is a lot of potential for this kid. And a lot of people were high on him pre-draft. But fifth round draft capital, not amazing. But you got this is the same team that took Cooper Cup pretty late in the draft as well. So I think that Sean McVay... And turn anybody into a superstar, given the right opportunity, um, and that will fall right in line with some of these next guys that they drafted. They took Traverius Hodge and Hodges Tomlinson, cornerback out of TCU, uh, a name that I saw in I think in the third round during some of the pre-draft stuff. So he fell a little bit further than than people expected. O'Shawn Mathis, defensive end out of Nebraska. Zach Evans, running back out of Ole Miss, this was a name that a lot of people were excited about pre-draft. He was someone that a lot of people had as their RB1, you know, pre-combine, and then you know, the combine rolls around, he's much smaller than people expect, a little bit slower than people expect, and you know, kind of tanked his draft capital from that. There's some off-the-field issues there, but... I don't think this team really cares, and if anybody can maximize the talent of Zach Evans, it will be this offense. So he's a name to keep an eye on. I think he's kind of crept up pretty high in rookie drafts. He's a third-round pick right now, so it's a little rich for a six-round r- running back, but I do understand the potential hype because he has all the tools you want from a running back, just a lot of red flags with you know, performance on the field and then, uh, you know, off-the-field mental kind of if he can keep it all together from that end. And then around seven, they took Ethan Evans, punter out of Wingate, Jason Taylor, the second safety out of Oklahoma State, and then Desha- Deshaun Johnson, Deshaun? Deshaun Johnson um, defensive tackle out of Toledo with their last pick there. So really, like I said, trying to improve this offense through the draft and and fill out a lot of the holes that they had on the roster. Because I think that the defense, they're always kind of competitive. When you've got Aaron Donald up front, once they lose him, this defense is going to be completely different. But as long as they have him up there, kind of disrupting everything, it gives the secondary and all the rest of these guys is a chance, right? And, you know, they did trade Jalen Ramsey this last offseason as well to the Dolphins. Use that pick. I forget what the actual trade was. I don't think they have it listed because it was so early in the offseason, but I'm just seeing. Oh, nope, they don't have the actual trade listed here, um, fortunately, But I do think that the defense is going to be decent. It's not going to be top tier. It's not going to be bottom five. So I think it'll be solid. It'll keep them in some games where we really need to see something is from the offensive side of the ball. And this is where it's scary because the last couple of seasons, like I mentioned, the the offensive line has been terrible. It's been absolutely terrible. They've made some signings the last couple of years, drafted some guys that they're hoping can you know, grow into the roles that they need for the team. But this year will be the biggest test, whether or not they're actually ready to take that next step in football and then helping our teams for Dynasty and for Redraft, right? Because Matt Stafford, starting quarterback, he needs a good offensive line. Matt Stafford is a Man, or at least he used to be, um, played through everything. He's, he's, he will play his heart out. And that's why I've always liked Matt Stafford. He's a very good player, and I think he's actually being a little undervalued right now. And um, he's someone that I think has sneaky potential. Because if you actually look at his contract, right? A lot of people thought that he was going to retire. He still has four years left on his contract. Um, he has about $111 million left that he can earn by playing the next four years. He's only 35 years old, and I get it that's older, but for quarterbacks, it's not the end of the world. I mean, you got guys like Aaron Rodgers out there who are just playing forever. Tom Brady kind of changed everyone's mindset on it and how – long a quarterback can play but you look at someone like Matt Stafford and he's currently ranked as the quarterback number 29 for fantasy football and you know if you look at what he did just two years ago for fantasy and what he's kind of done his entire career right last year of course it was obviously a bad year quarterback number 32 overall but only played half the season still had 2,000 yards in nine games um, but they were not able to get any touchdowns going Last year. The year before that, quarterback number five. The year before that, 15, 29, again with a half season played. I think that was the year that he, he kind of really messed up his back. In 2018, quarterback number 19. But before that, seven, six, eight, fifteen, seven, nine, five. So we had a very long stretch there where he was finishing as an elite dynasty or fantasy quarterback, right? And this last year was definitely a step back, but I do think that this offense has the keys around him that he can regain that form. Maybe he's not going to be a top 12 guy, but 29 overall does seem a little cheap for a guy that has the potential to finish as you know, a, a very high-end quarterback too, especially in, in super flex leagues. I get it, he's 35, he's older, but again, I think the contract is out there that you can look to that and say he probably wants to play for that for a little bit longer, as long as he's willing to do it. And, you know, there's a lot of retirement rumors swirling around him because there was rumors about Sean McVay. Those didn't come through. There was rumors about Matt Stafford. He came out and his wife came out and said, he's not retiring. Why are people saying this? But it just kind of kept swirling around there. So just something to keep in mind. I know that there's a negative stigma around him right now, but some potential value there as well. Um, Running backs, you got Cam Akers, you got Zach Evans, who we talked about, Sony Michelle, Ronnie Rivers, and Kyrene Williams. Um, Cam Akers is the one that I really want to talk about here, and he's someone that I've been waiting for this for so long because if you look at what he was able to do the end of last year, you know, Starting in week 13, so week 13 to week 18, you got a six-week sample there. And this is why I think it's more realistic, because this is when they actually started to get things gelling together a little bit. Now, week 13, you did have two touchdowns, so it kind of throws the averages off a little bit here. But 19 points in week 13 against Seattle. Uh, nine points against Las Vegas in week 14. 13 points against Green Bay in week 15. Week 16, 35 points against Denver. Denver had kind of given up at that point. To be fair, uh, 17, uh, week 17 against the Chargers, he had 15 points, and then Seattle again in week 16 or week 18. Sorry, uh, he had 17 points. So the thing that is most impressive is the last five weeks he was averaging basically five and a quarter yards per carry, which was great. Um, all the weeks before that, he was sub four for the most part, a couple of low carry weeks where he was kind of able to break that. But, you know, the last four or five weeks, they really started to utilize him a little bit more in the passing game as well. And by this point, this is when everything was off the rails. Stafford was out. Baker Mayfield was starting games. They had no Cooper Cup, no Allen Robinson, no offensive line. It was just kind of a, a nightmare situation where it was basically only Cam Akers is the best player on this field on the offense, on the field, right? Um, So the fact that he was still able to be productive is what we've been waiting for for Cam Akers forever. Now, the story of Cam Akers, I feel like people have kind of written him off way too early. And I understand it. I really do. Guy was a superstar. Comes out at 21 years old. Plays his first year. It's not the greatest season, right? He finishes as as, uh, RB 46, decent yards per carry on the ground. Um, But the next season, tears his his Achilles in training camp, right? Terrible situation. Unfortunate. It's the, the death note for running backs. And he comes back at the end of the year, that year, plays in the playoffs and looks decent in the actual playoffs. He comes back in week 18, gets a little bit of usage under his belt in that week, and then comes back in the playoffs and looks decent. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, he didn't look great against some of these defenses. But at the time, it was the playoffs, the best teams in the league. Well, then coming into 2022, this last year, basically a full year removed from the Achilles. The fact that he was able to even be on the field six months after he tore his Achilles was nuts, first off. I don't think people realize how crazy that is. It used to be if you tore an Achilles, you were done forever. It took you a year to even see the field, right? He was back six months later and looked just fine, just not as explosive. Well, now a year later, comes out, is not the best in the first couple of weeks. Admittedly, doesn't really seem like he has a lot of that explosiveness. He's kind of being indecisive. And you got to wonder if a little bit of that is he had basically a year off from football Maybe some of the decision making and things like that weren't the best. He had to kind of get used to the feel of football a little bit more. Has a falling out with the team. They try to trade him. Blah 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 blah. Comes back. Decides to play for the team, and that's when they really start to use him, and he goes off. And I do think that now he's almost he's two years fully removed from that Phillies tear. We've seen it with guys like Deonta Foreman. They can come back from that, and I think that Cam Akers can come back from it. He's only 24 years old. I think that, you know, he was a premier athlete before that, five-star recruit, very very good combine numbers if you go back and look at those. So, he's someone who is a very good athlete and that's a uh some of the major signs to coming back from an Achilles tear is your age and your athleticism pre-tear. So, that's why I'm still in on Cam Akers. I'm not paying top 12 dynasty Pricing for him, but I do believe he could get back to that level. And I think you can get him fairly cheap right now. And if you look at his actual value, where he's being ranked, he's currently the RB24. And I do believe that, you know, when you've got guys like Javante ahead of him, I get it, Javante didn't tear an Achilles, but Javante's not even playing right now. And Cam Akers has the potential to really vault back up. Uh, DeAndre Swift, Damian Pierce, Rashad White, Aaron Jones, Miles Sanders. These guys are all ahead of Cam Akers. you even got Joe Mixon, Ramondre, um, some guys that are going to be retired here in a couple of years with Derrick Henry probably, Austin Eckler. So I do think that there's a lot of potential value in Cam Akers. That's all I really want to say about him. Now this video is getting pretty close to the end, and I want to touch on a couple other positions here, mostly just the pass catchers. You know, obviously you've still got Cooper Cup and Cooper Cup, I think, is still a top five Dynasty wide receiver and should be traded for as such. If you do have Cooper Cup, do not sell him for cheap right now. Just let the them start to kill it when he comes back. And they shut Cooper Cup down. It's entirely possible that you know he was able to come back last year. We have no idea. By the time that he got injured, right, he got injured in week ten. He could have come back if I remember right. It was a high ankle sprain or uh, uh, he got tightrope surgery on his on his leg. There was a potential he could have come back in like week seventeen, I believe, against the Chargers. But they basically said, "Don't even worry about it." At that point, they were already eliminated from playoffs. They weren't playing for anything. Stafford got injured. They just did not care at all anymore. So. I think that Cooper Cup. if you look at what he was able to do in nine games, though, he finishes the wide receiver 23, 206 points in nine games. He had 800 yards in nine games. Dude was on an absolute tear. uh, 75 catches in nine games. That is nuts. Some receivers are looking for those year-long stats, and he was able to do it in half a season. So, obviously, you double that. He's around 400 points again and this is full PPR and that's just absolutely bonkers. He should he is someone that could very easily contend for the wide receiver number 1, especially this year. I get it, he's a little bit older. He's going to be 30 right now. So, he's got probably two more years, but oh, it's so hard. He would have outscored Justin Jefferson who was the wide receiver number 1 just on that pace. I mean, Justin Jefferson had three hundred and eighty points. Cooper cup was on pace for four hundred and twelve like uh it's it's very hard for me to to not still like the potential value and again, I think that you have some value if you were to go and trade for him um you know he's currently ranked as the the wide receiver twelve on dynasty rankings and for someone who can be the number one wide receiver, it does seem like a decent discount on a guy and I get the age argument but like Tyreek Hill is still number nine. Cooper Cup is number 10 or number 12. Like Vonta Smith and T Higgins should not be going ahead of Cooper Cup, regardless of your situation. You should be trying to win with someone like a Cooper Cup. Behind him, you've got Van Jefferson. You've got Tyler Johnson, Tutu Atwell, Puka Nakua, uh, Ben Skoranek. If there's somebody that I'm looking at investing in and, and trying to build into my roster, it would be Van Jefferson um and i'm just trying to find him here but he's he's so far down even the board but um you know van jefferson he's someone that missed a lot of time last year finally comes back at the end of the season when everything's starting to fall apart and he's starting to get more usage i mean he didn't get above 70% usage until week number 11 last year starts off pretty slow but then after that 87, 197 98, 94. Really used him pretty heavily Then the end of the season. Only got, you know, a total of 44 targets on the season. But I think if you bring back Matt Stafford, you can get him back to like a, a 90 target pace, maybe even a little bit higher than that. This team is desperately looking for a number two option. And if someone's going to step into that role, I personally believe it's going to be Van Jefferson. I know Ben Skoranek is someone who was decent last year for just dump-off passes and everything, but he's not someone that I really care that much about um, in terms of athleticism. I think Van Jefferson's a little bit more of a burner on the outside. and He's the one that I would actually be interested in trying to get. So I'm trying to look here really quickly. Van Jefferson is the wide receiver number 84. So, you know, very, very cheap. You could probably get him for a third round pick, uh, maybe even less than that. Two-force might get it done for you. Um, and then the tight ends: Tyler Higby is the number one guy here. I think that he's still a decent, sneaky option at the tight end position. He's always been someone who is a volume threat. So if you're in a full PPR, you like to see that. I mean, last year he had 108 targets, 72 catches. The yardage is terrible it is complete misuse of his <laughs> his targets right there uh 620 yards on 108 targets that's not the greatest you know he had 72 catches and only 620 yards three touchdowns but again if you're in a full ppr he's a very reliable option that you can kind of plug him in and you you don't feel terrible you're gonna have bad weeks obviously because every tight end gives you bad weeks but You know, if you can get reliably seven for 71, terrible usage, but, you know, four for 61, that's not bad from the tight end position. But then you also have games where you have 10 for 73, and this is no touchdowns. Like, he had a game, he had 30 points in a game where he had nine catches for 94, two touchdowns. So it's always kind of, they use him in a very specific way, but. He is definitely a volume threat, and that's where I like Van Jefferson. If you can kind of peel some of these targets away and get them to Van Jefferson, I don't think they've had that opportunity opportunity the last couple of seasons because this offensive line has been so bad that they have to get it out as quickly as possible. They don't have time to let some of these routes develop and things like that. So I think that Tyler Higby might take a little bit of a step back, but again, he's someone that is very safe for... Um, for tight end, that I think that he's not going to kill you. He finishes the PPR tight end six. This is just, this goes to show you how big those catches were, right? PPR tight end number six, standard league number 15. So, pretty big gap there. Um, if you were to do half point, I don't really know where he would be. I'm guessing we're pro- probably right about 10, just because the catches are so, so valuable when you have 72 of them as tight end. So, um, Again, he's someone that's a little bit more sneaky down there. He's currently the, um, the tight end number, look here. Oh, he'd be tight end number 21. And, you know, for PPR League, someone that's going to finish as a top 10 guy, probably, um, possibly, at least top 12. Uh, I think that's some pretty good value there as well. So that is a full recap for the Los Angeles Rams. Like I said, hopefully we'll have Dale back here in the next couple of days. We just have a crazy kind of conflicting schedule here. We got some work stuff and, yeah, some other stuff popping up. But let me know your thoughts, you know, if you like the solo pod. We don't get the back and forth, you know, some of Dale's bad opinions. and But we don't get some of that in the solo ones, which you really like to see for a team take. And, um, yeah, let us know your thoughts down below. But thank you guys for sticking around, checking this video out. We appreciate you guys. We're going to be back tomorrow with the entire uh, NFC South. We're going to be dropping that over the next couple days. And we're going to be finishing up with the NFC East and probably the most competitive division in the NFC. We're saving the best for last, I guess. Uh, But yeah, we're going to be wrapping those up. Training camp is rolling. After we get these out, we're going to do a training training camp recap as well, just kind of talking through some of the hot names that are going on out there. And, uh, yeah, we'll see what else kind of transpires over the next couple of days. But thank you guys so much for listening. And until next time, have a good night.